0: The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Sanjay Desai, the AMA's Chief Academic Officer and Group Vice President of Medical Education in Chicago, and he's going to discuss how and why we need to address a projected physician shortage now. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Desai, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Many hospitals have had to deal with staff shortages off and on through the last two years, Um, but there were also projections of a physician shortage even prior to the pandemic. Has the pandemic made the situation worse or do we have any data that gives us a better picture of what's happening and what to expect?
1: Well, Todd, first, thanks for having me again, and uh, it has made it worse. I think there has been a physician shortage. It's a complicated uh, problem because it deals with not just numbers, but also distribution and specialty type of uh, physicians in the country. And the pandemic's made it worse. According to the Association for American Colleges, American Medical Colleges, the US is facing a shortage of up to 124,000 physicians by 2034,
0: just over 12 years from now. That's a lot. Um... Big number. <laughs> it's a big
1: number, and it includes almost 50,000 primary care doctors, Todd. I, I mean, there's no question that, again, th- this existed before, and the pandemic has only made it worse. There's been research on this as well. The Mayo Clinic Proceedings article that was just published in December, it actually uh, showed that AMA research who worked on this and their colleagues found that burnout, that workload, fear of infection through this pandemic, anxiety or depression due to COVID, and just the numbers of years in practice were all associated with an intent to reduce the number of hours that physicians are working or even leave practice altogether. This was based on um, a, a broad survey of doctors in, in 2020, so soon after, just soon after the pandemic started, and um, one in five doctors, that's twice as many uh, as nurses, that's twice the number as many nurses said that they plan to leave the profession in the next two years. Uh, so That's it a, really is a, a
0: stunning statistic. Twenty um, percent, um, on top of what uh, you know pre-pandemic. What what are those other factors that were looming before, uh, you know, driving the shortage, so to speak?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's it's a couple of different trends that interact together in a in a. In a, in a way that makes things worse. So first is that the physician workforce itself, the average age of physicians is, is getting older. Uh, in fact, more than uh, two out of every five active doctors right now will be 65 or older in the next decade. And so that's gonna, uh, again, compound the, the workforce reduction that we're, that we're describing. And so while this physician workforce is decreasing because of the burnout, because of the hours that physicians want to be uh, working less because of what they're experiencing. And then this aging aging population, at the same time, the US population is growing. And so it, the population in this country is expected to grow more than 10% over the same time period that we just described the physician workforce is going to be aging. And so these two forces combined make for a, a, a shortage that's very complicated.
0: So, so definitely, a combination of it a- Aging out, so to speak, and then pandemic-driven uh, departures. That, that does create quite a challenge. So let's just talk about right now, how, how do we address this?
1: It's not only, so they, the U.S. population is growing, the physicians are, are aging, and therefore we will have reduction in workforce. But at the same time, the U.S. population is getting older. This, this is an important uh, other problem to keep in mind, because older patients we know take more time and care. Uh, and therefore just the amount of time that, uh, the amount of care that needs to be delivered proportionally is also going to be um, increased in terms of what we require of our physicians. So again, many forces that you described, which is a stark stark projection.
0: So major, major uh, changes in both supply and demand that are creating a, a situation uh, that's going to be tough to deal with. Let's, let's talk about how do you go about addressing a challenge like that? Is it just a matter of getting more young people interested in medical school or more than that?
1: It's a lot more than that, actually. It's, uh, you know, as I said in the beginning, this is far more than a, than a numbers issue. It, it goes uh, into the types of physicians that we uh, that we need in the country. Ultimately, the, the product of medical education is to produce a physician workforce that is capable, and qualify to equitably care for our patients and our communities. And therefore, we not only need the right number, we need the right diversity of, of physicians. Again, we need physicians that resemble the, the diversity of our patients, that resemble the life experiences of our patients, that are in the right specialties and in the right parts of the country, the right physicians serving the right communities. And so there has to be um, a tremendous amount of thought that goes into how to create the right incentives, for, particularly for our young physicians that are just emerging um, into their into their careers, uh, to give them the right incentives to choose the specialties that we need most, and to practice in the areas that we that we need the most physicians. And so that's a complicated um, problem beyond just the the numbers of physicians.
0: So, Doctor Desai, this this is quite a challenge. Um, The AMA has been working on on a number of issues. Let's start with those that are related to uh, medical school. What what are we up to?
1: Yes, the AMA has been investing in this heavily, Todd. We uh, spent the last decade essentially with the Accelerating Change in Medical Education program, convening leading institutions and offering grants related to medical schools and reimagining and and to graduate medical education programs, working to create a more diverse pathway for young physicians through scholarship assistance, through mentoring, and through other mechanisms to enter medical school and to graduate medical school and enter this profession.
0: Medicine doesn't stand still. And at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit AMA-ASSN.org slash movingmedicine.
1: We're also working in, in collaboration with others to alleviate the exorbitant cost of medical school education. It's one of the largest barriers that keeps students from pursuing the field. A typical young doctor in the U.S. leaves school with $200,000 in medical student loan debt, which is uh, again a tremendous, a tremendous, barrier, and then and then we we're also helping at the federal level. Uh, so we're urging Congress to act to provide funding to create uh, and make sustainable medical schools and residency programs that have their roots that are in in the area, in the neighborhoods, communities uh, that educate uh, diverse populations.
0: Well, as you said before, complex issue, way more than just creating more medical students because. Um, the other challenge there is about residency slots. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that works?
1: So in our country, the, um, the this is a system that was created decades ago. Residency spots are funded through Medicare. Uh, so it's called GME financing. And then there's a formula that really many would argue is antiquated at this point, because it was created decades ago, uh, that decide how many uh, residency spots are available for or funded. In, in specific hospitals, in specific communities and cities in our country. And so the uh, the ability to train more physicians after medical school uh, is dependent upon funding from, from Congress and federal support for these residency positions has remained um, stagnated, essentially to a federal cap that is dramatically short of what the, what the country needs in the face of a growing US population and Medicare's current cap on financial support for for graduate medical education is preventing physicians or sorry preventing hospitals from expanding the numbers of uh, positions they offer to train physicians.
0: Again, this is another area that AMA has been quite active in uh, resolving uh, issues around this and I understand there's been some progress uh, on this issue for the first time in a while. What's what's happening and is it going to make a big difference?
1: There is, Todd. Congress is acting now. It's it's starting to act. Last year, uh, in the first increase since 1996, Congress provided 1,000 new Medicare-supported residency positions uh, through this Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. It's a good start. Uh, The reality is, as we've talked about, we're going to need many more slots uh, to alleviate the current and projected shortage that we have. And these positions also come with certain restrictions. So it's pretty complicated, but there's, for example, no more than 200 spots that are available each fiscal year. No one hospital can have more than 25 additional spots in, in total. And then there's a number of different restrictions uh, related to each year and each program and how many spots they can get, the type of uh, areas that they can uh, be used in, for example, in rural areas, and if they're funded specifically for new medical schools or branch campuses that have opened more recently.
0: And that gets to some of the AMA uh, comments and, and requests about this particular legislation. Do you want to outline some of the key changes we'd like to see?
1: Yes, the AMA, I think, has been has been very active here. They applaud uh, CMS for adding these new slots, and at the same time, they have concerns. Uh, so we sent a comment letter last June outlining the concerns that the AMA has, and, and many of them have, have yet to be addressed. So one concern is just the timing. So currently, March 31st, is the deadline where CMS announces the new slots each year. And uh, this doesn't align with the, the calendar of the academic year for residency programs. And so the AMA is ag- advocating that we move this deadline to October 1st to give residencies a chance uh, to hear the new numbers and to be able to uh, line up their recruitment accordingly. Another concern is that it doesn't allow uh, enough expansion. And so the rule allows, as I mentioned, just one new slot per program per year, and this can't uh, be exceed, this can't exceed five years. And so the the AMA believes this, this needs to be expanded at least to three spots per year and a total of 15 over five years instead of over five, instead of five at a cap for five years. Again, just an attempt to meaningfully expand these, these programs.
0: And, uh, you know, as Former residency program director yourself, you have personal experience with the challenge of running a program. What what do what do programs director program directors think about this issue, and does it affect their ability to recruit and train top talent?
1: Uh, Absolutely, Todd. I think uh, this is something at the forefront of our mind every recruitment cycle. We struggle every year because uh, we have far fewer positions than qualified applicants. And we have missions to diversify our programs, to uh, resemble again the communities, the patients of the communities that we serve and to to meet our budgets. And these are incredibly difficult constraints with with the funding that we have. So these programs to expand GME funding and to um, uh, distribute them in a way that is gonna be most effective will allow uh, all of us to meet our missions more effectively.
0: In addition to the letter that was sent in February, you referenced before, are there any other AMA uh, advocacy efforts underway in this particular area?
1: Yeah, the AMA, again, as as we mentioned, is very active. The AMA is part of the GME Advocacy Coalition. It supports a number of bills that would uh, aid graduate medical education. One of those bills is the Bipartisan Resident Physicians Shortage Reduction Act of 2021. And this gradually provides 14,000 new Medicare supported. Uh, residency positions are 2,000 spots a year uh, beginning in 2023. And so we have put forth comment letters on a number of GME issues and have a GME compendium that discusses some of these major issues in in GME as well as with our other advocacy work. So uh, we believe more GME funding is something the AMA and other leaders in medicine have long been advocating for. Uh, Savegme.org, uh, talks more about these efforts and why they're so important and how to get physicians involved at the at the grassroots level, which would very much welcome.
0: Uh, well, Dr. Desai, thank you so much for being here today and talking about what is obviously a really critical issue and uh, time to engage on. Uh, this will continue to be an important issue for the AMA, and we'll continue to talk with your team as uh, things progress. Uh, once again, the website to learn more about this issue, savegme.org. Uh, so stay tuned for another episode and click subscribe on our YouTube channel or check out all of our videos and podcasts at ama assnorg podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours, or visit ama-assn.org podcasts. I'm Todd Unger, and this is Moving Medicine.